Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey there, Jets fans. It's Kishore. We're back with another recap of games two and three of the Stanley Cup qualifying round. It's been an up and down set of games with Winnipeg showing a lot of resilience and taking game two and then probably reverting back to who they really are with all these injuries in game three. Uh, Mac and I get into all the details, our anger at, at some of the structure and limitations in the coaching game, and we spend some time around Maurice's comments about uh, Jansen Harkins, and finally, uh, our predictions for where this series is going to go in games four and five. We'll be probably back with another recap before all this is done. Uh, I also want to encourage people to check out the podcast. There's some great interviews coming up this week. I think AJ has an interview coming up with Eric Howardchuck, a name familiar to us all. Eric's going to probably give us some updates on uh, what's going on with Howard Chuck, uh, Howard Chuck Strong uh, and a few other things. There's some great interviews lined up for the future as well. Uh, but for now, enjoy our recaps of games two and three. Well, welcome into our Stanley Cup qualifier recap for the Jets games two and three. Uh, I'm Kishore and I'm here with Mac again. Mac, how are you doing? Uh, I've been better, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I would say this has been up and down, right? The last couple days. Yeah, I mean, yesterday was a, a pleasant surprise. I've been um, telling anyone that will listen that both of us predicted them to win yesterday, um, despite 30 minutes of bashing them. <laughs> we we both said, oh, I could see them winning tomorrow because that's what the Jets do. Um, and then tonight seemed a lot like uh, Saturday. Yeah, I. I, I... Tonight stung a lot less than Saturday uh, for obvious reasons. So uh, let's do a quick, like, here's where we're at. So after we recorded on Sunday, it came out that maybe Shifley's injury isn't as bad as we think, but Shifley, Line, and Appleton have missed the last two games. So the Jets won the first one, Jets lost the, the second game. So they're down two games to one with a day off. Um, and uh, let's just start with the injuries because that's like number one uh, on the list because Perot went down today. Pullman took a puck to the face, was bleeding everywhere. Uh, what's your quick take on on uh, the Winnipeg injuries? Because, uh, oh, wait, breaking news. Mac, I think you've been called to Edmonton to join the team because we've run out of players. No kidding. Uh, it That's just unreal. I mean, obviously, they've been struggling with injuries all year. Um, that Tucker Pullman, I don't know and maybe I'm going crazy, that I've seen more blood other than the Clint Malarchuk um, incident like that quick. That was crazy. And the fact that he came back, good on him. It didn't look like he should have been out there with the amount of blood he was still leaking. And normally we see Perot make miraculous recoveries. Um, The fact that he went back out and tried and went back, that's probably not good news. Yeah, I I would say with Pullman, he was... Still bleeding when he came back and was playing. Like his jersey had blood on it. it was I was like, I'm like, you're you're down three goals. This game's over. Get that guy back out to the ice. Um, oh, and his like, his cheek was pressed up against his uh his visor too. It was so swollen. That he's gonna have a rough night. Like I, I get it. We're we're supposed to applaud the toughness, but like at some point you're like, dude, your face is twice the size of normal. Get get back in the medical tent. Um, yeah. 
so I feel bad for Pullman. I think, you know, I wonder if he was actually going to be able to play because, you know, it's going to start hurting a lot uh, here in a couple hours uh, as soon as the painkillers wear off. I think I can't imagine Pro playing in game four the way that he was sort of moving around when he tried to come back. That looks like a groin or a hamstring or something. Something not right. Yeah. Got, I saw the replay right as we're talking about it. It's on right now, and it looks like his knee right to the back there. I think it's, you know, probably Charlie Horse, but you never know with those things how long they're going to last. I don't know. Uh, hot take? I'm not sure it'll matter if Matthew Perot's back because he's not been good. So, uh, uh, I, I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't want to hate on him too much. I don't think he's, like, our number one problem. But, like, let's not pretend that Perot and Pullman have been the number one issues for the Jets. Uh, they're not the reason we're struggling. They're not the reason we're succeeding either. You know, it's funny. I I was thinking this evening how I was very underwhelmed by Perot when usually he's he's a pretty good spark. Um, and then I got to thinking, who has been good? How are we even in this series? Hellebuck obviously had been good, uh, was whatever tonight. Um but, I mean, outside of Ehlers, Lowry, and Kopp, like we talked about, and DeMello, I guess, has been decent. Um, how, who has been good? Wheeler's been not great. Um, I, I would say you've nailed it. I, I, he, Ehlers had his best game of the series um, tonight. Uh, he was flying out there. He was driving play. I thought he looked good. And, uh, you know, he was playing well last game, too. And I think he has to be our best player uh, in game four if they're going to win. Uh, Lowry and Kopp Kopp have been good. I thought Eakin's been fine. Um, But uh, outside of that, um, do you guys, do you remember our top goal scorer for for the season? Because I don't think he came to Edmonton. Uh, Has anyone seen Kyle Connor? It's unbelievable. Like there's nothing there. And there's nothing from the captain either. I mean, you can see some effort, don't get me wrong, but there's zero result. Um, I tweeted earlier tonight. Ehlers is your best player. Why isn't he up on the top line to get to get Wheeler going um, and switching Connor out? Because Connor's literally invisible. It's uh, I, it, does he rely on Shifley that much? I I don't know. I, you can see it feels like Connor's trying too hard. I know that's like one of those trite hockey statements, uh, but after he got robbed by Talbot, uh, you know, a couple in game two. You can just see him. He's like making the like the the way extra pass. He's not shoot. He's not just just driving pucks at the net. He's not just getting in there. Like anytime I see him in the offensive zone, he's always 20, 30 feet away from the net. Um, and like he's not putting himself in those positions where you know the puck's gonna come his way or bounce off him. And uh, you can just see he's like overplaying. Well, there was a. Pl- Sorry, there was a play tonight that's exactly what you're saying, where Wheeler was in behind the net trying to win a puck battle, and he won the battle, and like three seconds before, two seconds before, Connor skates behind the net and puts himself out of position. Had he stayed to the side of the net, Wheeler would have been able to hit him with a with a pass with nobody in front of him at the front door. And instead, he kind of drifts in behind the net where Wheeler was already basically with the puck, and there's an example of just not being in the right spot, not uh, being, you know, even involved in the play, if you will. Um, So that's really the problem. He seems lost without, he doesn't seem to know where to be on the ice without Shifley anchoring 
that line. Um, and you know what? If Kyle Connor scores next game, especially if it's on the power play, we can win the next game. I actually kind of think Winnipeg's going to respond and win. I don't have, there's no evidence for that. Um, but I kind of see we're in the same position we were in after game one. We lost all on special teams. We gave up a bunch of power play goals. For once, Hellebuck was, uh, was human. Uh, and frankly, the, uh, the reason he's human is the person that I really want to hate on. Um, uh, but, you know, like Hellebuck was average, normal, everyday goaltender. And, and then they gave up three power play goals, game over. Yeah, I mean, again, I kind of feel sort of the way I felt Saturday that even with, I know it's statistically it's not true and you're bang on, but both games I didn't feel like they were in it. Um, despite that that was the actual breakdown, right? You know, that's it is really, the narrative is pretty bang on with the special teams. But sometimes you have that feel or you have that, like, you know, just the instinct that even if that those goals don't go in in the power play, somehow Calgary's winning that game tonight anyway. Um, but, I think that's, yeah. I think that's probably right. I think it, it felt better than Saturday for me because I didn't feel like they were getting dominated on the bodies. They weren't getting dominated in the shots in the same way. Um, I, I, I felt I saw some life up until Pionk and Hellebuck had their little adventure in behind the net. Yeah, um, I'll give you that. And uh, that's who I really look at and who's having, I think, the worst series of any Jet is Neil Pionk. He's like he was responsible for two of the goals tonight because when you look at that Hellebuck goal, you can blame Hellebuck all you want, but Hellebuck left the puck for Pionk as he's skating away with the puck, and then Pionk puts it in his in Hellebuck skates, and then the Calgary player, you know, uh, basically puts it out front, and it's a goal. That's not on Hellebuck. Uh, and then Pionk was responsible for one of the power play goals uh, as well, just like missed an assignment completely. So I, I I don't know what to say. He on the power play, he's not like crisply moving the puck um, from side to side, uh, and he's not getting his shots through on net. And then on defense, he's they're they're really abusing him. Uh, I, he's the one that I, I there has to be a change. Uh, otherwise, I don't see how they're they're gonna win the next game. Yeah, and there was a lot of talk on Twitter today about Pionk even before the game. Uh, Tony, who we've gone now two episodes that I've been on without men- mentioning Tony, which is a record, um, and Brian Johnson were both mentioning how um, once the game got a little more complicated, seems like maybe he's mentally a little slower than he is with the tools. He seems to have all the tools, right? We've seen it. He's a good skater. He's a good passer, uh, likes to shoot the puck. Um, but as soon as the game gets a little complicated, it seems like he really um, – can't adjust quickly it's almost like the tyler myers uh syndrome where from the red line in myers was just fantastic but in his own end it's like he was a completely different person and that's kind of what i think we're seeing from Pionk. the pace is picked up maybe um maybe his legs aren't there and he's using his head more and he's he's struggling and that's i mean that's your guy morrissey hasn't has been not great either let's be honest um You know, so you've got your two, your top two D men that aren't aren't playing well, and you only have three really NHL defensemen. So you're going to be in trouble all day if that's the case. 
Yeah, I think the the hard part is they have that uh, Lindholm, Mangiapani. That that Mangiapani line is just matching up constantly against um, uh, against uh, uh, Pionk and and Kulikov, and they're like just taking the body on them, Uh, and they can't handle that forecheck. And uh, you know, Kachuk got loose. Um, that line is big. Kachuk, Mangiapane, and Backlund, there are a lot of like big, heavy guys that are going to push around like a smaller Pionk and Kulikov, who's not really that that physical. Uh, so I, I think that's a tough thing. Um, you want to talk some positives, though? Um, if, I, if you have them all, I'll touch on them with you. <laughs> uh, I got one positive. Which is in both games we dominated the faceoff dot sixty to forty both games, um, and I, I like I think we played even five on five, so I I still look at this and say, hey we have the better goaltender can we get one to force a game five I, I think that I think it's eminently possible uh, that's all yeah. I got on positive. I mean, obviously, this is the thing, and this is the thing in any playoff series is that we have the best player on either team. And he happens to be our goalie. Um, so there's no reason to believe that we can't win a, you know, a 2-1 game on Thursday night. Um, because that is what it should look like. Um, we can't score. So that's going to be a problem. Right? Um, yeah, Lowry ha- and Pop can't drive scoring for us. And, us, and Winnipeg expect to win. Right. If that, those are your guys, forget it. And even I, I think I'm talking even more big picture. We don't have enough scoring, which is crazy. Uh, but when you lose, you know, two of your three best players uh, forward wise and we know how that uh, affects the lines, then you're all of a sudden you're really struggling to find guys that are going to be able to score. And you have to be quick. It's a five game series. And I don't see anything from Wheeler, Connor. Um, and those are guys you need. Roslovic has been pretty good, I guess. Um, so, but those guys got to put the puck in the net. So if you're going to go to game five, you better win two, one or something on Thursday. Yeah, I think that's right. I, um, I, you know, I think if Connor chips in a goal and Ehlers keeps up his play, they could really easily win the next game, but it's going to take quite a reversal from where we are right now. Um, before we get to, uh, to Harkins and some of Pomo's comments, I do want to uh, acknowledge one thing. Team is playing their heart out. Like, you can't – they're putting in the effort. It's just the horses aren't there is how it seems to me. Is that how it is to you too? Um, I think you can see the group of guys you'd want to go forward with. Um, I'm not going to say that there's a distinct lack, you know, from guys. But uh, people have questioned Ehlers in the past about his playoff performance. I mean, I was talking with, uh, with my girlfriend when we were watching tonight, super fan of the podcast, and um, uh, Connor doesn't seem to have a give-a-shit meter. And, um, and that goes for at all times. He seems very calm, cool, collected, which is cool. That's great. Um, but this is the time where you gotta got to get going, and you're not getting going. And you got guys like Cop, Lowry, um, Ehlers has been, despite his, he scored last game, but he didn't really play really well. Um, but he's he's been involved, he's been 
all, you know, all over Kachuk. He's, he's, he wants to be playing and you don't see that from a couple of the guys. Um, and then you brought up a good point is the Jansen Harkins, uh, because that's kind of the mix of it all, right? There's a guy that is giving his all and a guy you want that's, that you want to succeed and go forward with. So I, I, I'm hesitant to say they're all bought in right now because that defense looks the way it does and a couple of the forwards are invisible. But I, I know what you're saying. I think there's a lot of fight from, from some of the guys, a ton of fight from some of the guys. Yeah, I, I appreciated how angry Hellebuck was. I mean, Hellebuck's not the kind of guy that's like, that gets angry. And most goalies, you don't see that kind of thing anymore from. He was pretty angry in post game about his performance. So that gives me uh, a little, um, a, a shot of confidence going into the next game. Uh-huh. I'm a little surprised Hellebuck didn't go murder Pionk in between periods. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, all of a sudden we come out with one less defenseman. Um, hey, I hear what you're saying. I, I know it's not sort of universal across the board that we can be like, hey, everyone's everyone's in, in it in the same way. Like, But I, I do feel like, by and large, the team is is doing the best they can with, with what they got. Um, this is still a team down, Shifley, Line A. Those are so many goals just gone. Uh, and anchors of their, of their top two lines. So to expect them to do... Um, uh, to play like they were playing near the end of the season is probably pretty unrealistic uh, at the same time. Um, Harkins, though. He had an awesome game, too. He was so-so in game three. Like, there were some defensive lapses. But that guy's playing his heart out. Uh, what do you think of uh, Maurice's comments about Harkins, where he, he just heaped praise? He said, this guy has earned his time. You know, he hasn't always been given a shot um, because he wasn't a number one draft pick, but you know, you're going to see him have a long career here in this league. Uh, I thought that was <laughs> amazing, um, but not for the reasons that most people thought it was amazing. I thought it was kind of like dunking on yourself. How do you let a guy that's so good not be a part of your team? And how come the geniuses upstairs and in higher management weren't banging on a table and saying, start playing this guy and stop playing Latestu? Um, I thought that was a real self-owned by Paul Maurice um, because you're basically saying we didn't know how good this player was until three players got hurt and we had to play him. Uh, I think that's ludicrous to me. I think you, this has been a frustration back to the Nick Patan, Marco Dano days. We don't need to go into it, but they have a thing. Maurice has a thing about veterans. And there's more proof. Again, how much better is Harkins than some of the veterans that are playing? He's maybe the 11th best forward on their team. But the fact that you're not getting a chance so that some of these veterans that really are awful, that shouldn't even be in the NHL, are are getting to play just based on the fact that they're played on teams before. And I think if you want to be... A uh, small market team, if you want to compete for a championship every year, you need to trust your drafting. You need to trust your instincts. You traded for Marco Dano tr- twice. You've drafted guys in the first, second round that you've kind of let slip through. You need the Appletons and the Harkins and those type of guys, Andrew Cops, and let them play. And forget this 
you know, fifth line center, sixth line center type players that, that we keep bringing in. Go with talent, play your best players. It doesn't matter about experience. Let them play. And that's what we're seeing teams like Colorado, teams like Carolina, teams like Toronto. They're letting their guys play. It doesn't matter what your experience is, you know? Let's not thought, overdo it with Toronto because those guys are being, are, are you know, Sheldon keeps letting them play, but then they're getting trashed in the media for letting them pay, play. So I think that's slightly different, but I hear you. It was, yeah, a, I, it was a top three Palmery cell phone. Like about how, how he, you know, this guy, no one ever gave him a chance. I'm like, you're his coach. <laughs> you're supposed to be the one that puts him out on the ice when he plays like this. Who else is going to give him a chance? Like, I, oh. I just, it's crazy. White men can't jump, but they can sure dunk on themselves. Like, holy. I, I, I understand what he's trying to do. He's trying to give encouragement to a young player who had an awesome game. Um, but it, I, I thought it, it was hilarious. It, at least it's a sign that Harkins is going to stick with the club next year. I really hope that um, they sign DeMello. Because DeMello seems like, you know, whether he's a, a top-pairing guy you know, uh, going forward, he's certainly like a stalwart anchor type defenseman. Um, you know, he has a lot of work to do on his offensive game, but he's been a, a, just like a calming influence back there. I think he's been great. Um, all right. Any miracle comebacks coming? Do you think Shifley is magically walking down the tunnel? You think line A in between periods just suits up, comes down, suits up, comes back up on the ice. Any miracles coming? in terms of injuries? So with the line A, my thought process, and this is just because everything's pretty tight-lipped, but my thought process on the line A is even if he's able to play with a hand injury, I don't know how effective he is. So is there a point, right? If he can't shoot, it, there's no point in having him in the in the lineup. Um, Shifley on a leg and a half, that's a different story. He's better than some of the other guys you have, right? So I think that if there's any possibility, obviously they're going to go, but I just wonder what that looks like. Both games, yesterday and today, if I'm maybe not reading the room properly, the media was sort of making it sound like it's a possibility that they could have went. So it's tough to know. I, it, I don't it's know. So hard. It's so hard because no media is really in Edmonton to get those kind of in-between-the-lines type comments uh, from from the staff. So we don't know. And, you know, the best reporting was like Sarah Oleski being like, sources say, um, but, you know, we just don't have that kind of access right now uh, to really I mean, know. that they reported anyway, which is the sad part. We have to get that from out-of-town media uh, about what the injuries really are, um, which is a frustration, of course. Um, I don't know, and maybe a game five is what when they're needed, right? If uh, like we talked about, if you could pull off a, a close one or something like that, that gives them a full week. Who knows what that looks like? You know, seven days after the injuries, rather than like this was such a quick turnaround. If they didn't play last last night, they weren't going to play today, right? That was yeah, pretty much a guarantee. That's not any rest time. But if you're talking about next Saturday, eh. Who knows? But but Max, the next game is the last home game of the season. Yeah. I mean, well, <laughs> it's uh, I I I the street party is going to be great. 
I all in all, I'm I'm not nearly as mad as I was when we recorded the first recap. The first recap was devastating with the Shifley injury, and I was so infuriated at the level of play and the coaching. I'm still mad at the coaching. I'm still a little mad at the play, but really just about some specific players who really just seem like they aren't up to the level of like NHL caliber that we need them to be to be successful. So I, I find myself a, a lot less mad. Um, I, I hope they can come off the mat for one more because uh, Hellebuck's season deserves them showing up one more time um, to at least for, force a game five. I think he delivered one of the greatest goaltender seasons we've seen in the last decade. And uh, if they could show up for anyone, they should show up for him. Yeah, and then I mean, if you and as we know, once you get to Game Five, then it's then it doesn't matter, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's, a, it's a coin toss, and again, you've got the best player on your team, so you maybe you have a chance. And uh, and and I think what happened for me, and I don't know if it's the same for you, after the Shifley injury, now this is all kind of a bonus. They're not going to win the Stanley Cup, so do we? We get to watch a little bit more hockey that we care about. Maybe we get to upset the Flames because uh, nobody thought we'd win because we lost Shifley and Line A, right? It's sort of like, to me, it's bonus hockey since three minutes into game one uh, because I don't, I, I didn't have a lot of expectation. I was kind of like, they're going to beat Calgary, no problem, uh, before the series started. And now it's kind of like, kind of resigned to the fact that the season's over, but maybe we get two wins here and, and get. A few more games after that. Takes the pressure not, off, is what I'm saying. I'm not totally resigned, but I do take Milan Lucic scoring a playoff goal as a as a sign of the apocalypse. So I am very nervous about our ability to come back, given what, what happened. Uh, <laughs> uh, all in all, look, this has not been what anyone expected. But in comparison to the other series, and I've been watching way too much hockey the past few days uh this series actually has some fight and energy to it and some back and forth there's some really ugly series out there toronto columbus comes to mind as just being like boring boring hockey this at least has some back and forth to it so i'm going to walk away feeling at least entertained uh and and really wondering what could have been if shifley and liney didn't get injured uh in that first game uh any wrap-up thoughts mac yeah, I, I not not particularly. I think again, my big thing that I've kind of resigned to is let's just have some more fun because I've kind of lost the let's fucking go thing. <laughs> I think that that part's gone, and now it's like let's just enjoy it. Hopefully, maybe we can see you know like a fifty save performance or a, you know a Ehlers hat trick game or something something fun to to enjoy it um, because I think the pressure is gone now. I don't I think there's there's no more expectation in my mind anyway. So let's, let's enjoy it. Yep. I, I'm with you hundred uh, percent. Go Jets go. Uh, we'll be back. If something miraculous happens either after game four or game five uh, with that, that's it for this recap. Thanks for joining us. I'm Kirk Kilback and thank you for listening to the jet centric broadcast.